Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, what a game. We recap an epic OU Texas in the National College Football Roundup. We recap the other big games in week six of college football, including Penn State, Iowa, and Arkansas Ole Miss. And to finish up, we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now, recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. A few minutes late on our recording, Teddy. You all good, man? Yeah, we're good. We had uh, we had sirens going off. We had we had all kinds of crazy things going on. And the bad thing about uh, where we live, it's like we have direct. You have to have direct TV and. Right whenever you need it the most, it goes blank on you. <laughs> so you don't really know what's happening out there. But we made it through just some hell. We're good to go. Hope everyone else out there uh, didn't have much damage either. Yeah, hope hope everyone out there, state of Oklahoma, was was safe. Some some odd weather for October, right? Weird. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is it's good, but they've known about it all week. They've they've been saying Sunday's going to be chance of tornadoes and stuff. So this hey. was. This was a classic, just listen to your wife, uh, you know, <laughs> moment. She's like, you know, it's the weather's supposed to be bad when you guys are supposed to record tonight. And I was like, yeah, so she's like, well, you could record earlier and just get it done. I was like, eh, no, we'll stick with the time. Classic. 
<laughs> okay, That's let's so get funny. to let's get to this game. About about as bad of a start to a football game you can have. You give up a touchdown on the first offensive play. Uh, you go three and out. You get a punt blocked, and two plays later, they score another touchdown, and you're down fourteen nothing. And it looks like it looked like they had settled in a little bit, and then they were down twenty eight to seven. Come roaring back in the second half. Where do we start, Ted? Where that's the question. Where do we start? I feel like we we have to start with the quarterback situation, right? Yeah, I I've, that's going to be the. That's going to be the hot topic coming out of this thing. Um, once everyone comes down off that that post-win high and, and settles in this week and you go back to your normal business, it's going to be, okay, what's the situation at quarterback now? Okay, so I, I feel like this is the best way to approach it. And that, that's by answering the question, why did Spencer Rattler get benched? Like, why? So – a lot of people point toward, you know, the long touchdown run for Caleb Williams that brought a spark in that football game. There's no doubt about it, but I'm not sure that that played a huge part in Lincoln Riley's decision. So let's kind of break it down because Rattler is the starter because he knows the system better, right? Uh, I, I don't think anyone that has eyeballs will say that Rattler's more talented than Caleb Williams. He's not, whether you're talking about running or even arm talent wise. I mean, my goodness, that kid can rip it, but the separation between the two is experience and understanding of the defense. Correct. Or so the offense, I guess Rattler, he, he processes quicker than Caleb Williams. He, he doesn't have the bus that Caleb Williams has had in training camp and in practice, but when the thing keeping you on the field is your decision-making and your understanding of the defenses, when you start making critical mental errors, you got to come off the field. And we saw it in this game last year, and it was the exact same thing almost because the interception, and you and I, we were trying to figure it out. (laughs) I mean, we were trying to come up with any excuse for Rattler on the broadcast, but the interception that he threw right to B.J. Foster, it was all on Spencer Rattler. He thought Austin Stogner was running a different route. He had the wrong concept in his head. He thought Stogner was going to run a dig instead of a corner. He had the wrong route in his head. You, you can't mix that up in a game like that. Like you, When you're the quarterback and you're supposed to be the reliable guy, you're supposed to be the guy that's out there, to make good decisions, you can't mix up the plays in your head. Right. No, you can't. Um, especially whenever, well, you, you never can. You, you've got to be, you got to be on it out there. You can't make those mistakes. Um, but I will say that those mistakes happen to most quarterbacks throughout a game. So the fact that it happened and he came out tells you pretty quickly that it's been close between the two for some time. Like those, those are mistakes, right? But those mistakes don't get 
95% of the starting quarterbacks in the country benched, especially in a game like that. No, I know what you mean. And, you know, we talked about it. We've, we've said, you know, up leading up to this game, like the offensive line had been the bigger issue. If, it, if those were the choices, right? The old line or Rattler that the offensive line ha- had been the bigger issue, but the fumble that, that is what I, I think really kind of pushed Lincoln Riley to make the decision. And that wasn't an easy decision for Lincoln to make. Like he knew what was going to come with that decision. That's a huge decision for a million reasons. I yeah. forget the game, right? It's a huge decision in the in the game, but all the things surrounding it, like that guy was the preseason Heisman Trophy favorite. I mean, it's crazy. You know what else is crazy? Like that interception looks a lot like I know it was a different play and different coverage and everything, but it was a lot like the interception last year where he just threw it right to a guy. And then the fumble was a lot like the fumble last year. The fumble. So the the really frustrating part about the fumble is initially Rattler makes the right decision, right? So they're, they are, they're trying to fake a concept they had run earlier in the game, right? They're in that bunch. They fake the bubble screen to the inside receiver and Jeremiah Hall and Stogner are faking their blocks. And then they're trying to slip behind them. Right. It's almost like a pop pass with two different options. And Texas covered it. They covered it well. And it wasn't there. But instead of, and I've got no problem with Rattler trying to make a play after that, but you have to protect the football. Right. You, you, you either throw it away or you, you just eat it. You take the second, you just can't, you can't fumble the football in that situation. You cannot be careless with the football. And from that point on, man, it was Caleb Williams the rest of the way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was. And he didn't really look back. And he looked totally prepared for the moment. You know, one of the things that, and I made mention of this during the broadcast, is he is 
he reminds me of Kyler in a sense that he's got such great speed and athleticism that there's never really any panic out there. When most quarterbacks would be in a situation where they've got a guy bearing down on him, it's like, oh my God, I've, I've got to do something. I've got to make a decision quick. He really doesn't, and he's got no panic. He can just run right around the corner of guys. So, yeah, it, it was it was shocking to see shocking to see Lincoln make that move two times in a row with Rattler in that game, and you know this time obviously he didn't go back in the game, but both times it's been the right move and probably won in the football game. Yeah, do you think Texas is looking at that game going? Us forcing that fumble is the worst play we had defensively. Oh, that's funny. I guess thirteen in the game. That's funny because I guess like during game day, like outside the stadium, whenever they were taking shots of the, there was like a group of Texas fans chanting that we want Caleb, kind of like the the uh, the students were that a couple games ago. Yeah, that was that's pretty funny. So looking at what Caleb Williams did now, it wasn't perfect, but man, it was good. Now he needs to stop dropping the snap. <laughs> that needs I know. to go away. That's crazy. Please stop doing that. But dude, I don't know what else to say other than he has the juice. Yeah. I mean, I did not know he, I knew he was fast. I did not know he was that fast. I mean, Deshaun Jameson can go now. He yeah. can't tackle, but he can run. And Kayla Williams didn't get hawked by one of the faster dudes in this conference. And then the thing that really stood out to me as I went back and watched the game, to admit, his arm strength, it's not good. It is elite. I mean, yep. he rips it like Kyler and Baker ripped it. There's a couple of plays out there where he made some throws that a lot of times you're worried about a young guy making those throws. It might get intercepted, but he, he has such such velocity on it that he's safe with and, and he trusts it, you know, and you get away with it whenever you've got arm strength like he does, and, and he did. I, I was impressed. I, I loved how aggressive he was throwing the football, but also like when he was extending plays with his legs, I loved how aggressive he was pushing it down the field. Yeah. He took some chances. Let's just call it the way we see it. Like a couple those two balls to Mims, the one on the touchdown, the other one on the big long play. By the way, that was a sweet first down signal by Mims after the long one. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was well done, sir. But he he gave Mims a chance, right? And that's something that I'd been complaining about about Rattler, that he had one-on-one in some of those situations and he he didn't give his guys a chance to make plays. And that's what Caleb Williams did. Now, is he going to get some of those picked off if he takes chances like that? Yeah, some, but I'll take Mims in those situations quite often. I'll, I'll take Hazelwood in those situations and him giving them a chance. Like Marvin Mims rewarded him for giving him a shot to make a play. And it's like the throw, the, the back shoulder to Hazelwood. That's a that's a play Jaden Hazelwood's got to make. Should have been a touchdown, but like he's giving his guys a chance. And yeah. there's something to be said about that, man. Well, the defensive guy is always at the disadvantage there. Almost always has his back to the football. He's the one that's got to go up, defend, try and turn, find the ball. Uh, he's the one that's going to 
almost always get called for the for the interference there. Yeah, let your guys go make plays. And he did that, and, and it worked out well, which I'm shocked at how aggressive Texas played defensively, especially with the lead that they had. Coming into the game, and we broke it down on the preview pod, right? They had been a majority deep zone, cover three and cover 14. Like I'm talking nearly 80% of the time playing deep zone, giving you the underneath stuff. They, I think they played more snaps of cover zero in this game than they had all season combined. Had to have. It was crazy. And, you know, they got That may be a stretch, but it's close. I'm telling you, it's close. Yeah. They got super aggressive trying to stop the run, too. Uh, kept getting into bear, rolling the safety down, gap sound against the run. And, you know, that it's great until someone misses a tackle. And when someone misses a tackle and your gap sound, there's no one left on the back end and you've got explosive runs on your hands. What a shame. <laughs> I, it, it was, and you, you kept pointing it out, man. It was, it was weird to see them keep being that aggressive. Now, I will say uh, there are a lot of times where we complain when a team gets conservative, right? They get a big lead. They get really conservative, mm -hmm. but you're up 28 to seven. And I was like, okay, this is, this is just how Texas came to play today. And I, I kind of, I kind of liked the mentality. And then I, I just don't think they knew how to handle Caleb Williams when he came to the yeah. game. It just changed yeah. things. Yeah. They played, they played good enough defensively to, uh, to get the switch at quarterback and cost him the game. That's, that's, uh, so that's painful. It is painful. <laughs> it just, unfortunate for Texas. What a shame. So what does Lincoln do moving forward? Right. I know he came out and said, Hey, it's going to be a competition, but just with what I saw on the sideline, right. Just being down there. It is not a mystery. Which guy the team rallies around. It's not, you saw it. I saw it. I think a lot of people saw it. Caleb Williams can do things that Spencer Rattler cannot with his legs and with his arm. Now he's going to make mistakes, right? That's why he wasn't the guy, right? Because he, he had been making mistakes in practice. He still makes mistakes in practice. But to me, Ted, the question is, okay, which guy elevates the ceiling of the team? especially with the way the defense is playing. And we'll get to that. Which guy makes you a more dangerous, explosive offense? And I think that answer is pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a big-time talent. There's no doubt about it. He's, a bi he's bigger physically. Um, he's an incredible athlete and he's got the arm strength. Now, um, there's some things yet to be seen. I, we're, we're living on the high of a game where he came in off the bench, had the spark and then, you know, took over in that game. Like before you ever have a chance to think about messing up, right? You just go out there and let it rip. So, 
I do think he has the most upside. I do think he makes the offense more explosive. Um, I do think he's prone to more mistakes, but maybe not. Maybe not. You know, a lot of guys that can get themselves out of jams with athleticism, like the mistakes aren't, you know, they're – doesn't really have to force anything whenever he could just take off running or he can use his arm to to make a play so I don't know he he's looked better uh, the the small amount that we've seen him he looks like he's got that that next level explosiveness that Rattler just didn't have so I I imagine Lincoln rolls with that and it's a it's a very interesting situation Lincoln Riley finds himself in right because if you're gonna roll with Caleb Williams how do you frame it to Spencer Rattler to keep him bought in because if you're gonna go with Caleb Williams you're gonna run him more he's gonna take more hits football is still a physical game where people get hurt so you're one play away from having to put seven back out there so Lincoln Riley in the past has been, and uh, people give him a lot of shit for it, but in the past, he has he has balanced the QB competition thing very well leading up to the season. You know, he hasn't had guys leave the program in the middle of the season at the quarterback position, those types of things. This seems like a completely different challenge, though. It is. It It will be, but... That's why you're not hearing Lincoln Riley after the game come out and say, yeah, Caleb's our guy. I mean, obviously, you guys all saw the same thing I did. Yeah, he's our new quarterback. He's he's QB1 moving forward. The reason he doesn't do that is because he's got to be measured. And just like you pointed out, he needs both of those guys. He needs both of them there, engaged, locked in, focused, ready to play. So you got to massage this very carefully, just like Saban had to massage it very carefully with Jalen Hurts and Tua. You know, he, everyone kept wanting him to make some type of call and some type of decision and, and proclaim something. And that's where the famous, you know, line comes from. I'm not going to, so stop asking. That's, that's where that comes from is because he knew that he needed both of those guys to win. And he did. Jalen came in and bailed him out, what, in the SEC championship game, right? So that it's something like that could definitely happen. You've got to keep him bought in and focused and ready to play. And then a, a piece of advice for any young quarterback out there. Maybe, maybe don't let it be known that you're not a particular fan of a two-point play. And you'll be the one running the two-point play. <laughs> Tell me about because You, you, you got to give me some of those details. Because I think you and I, we both had the same reaction when Caleb Williams came off the field with the game on the line, right? He brought him all the way back. Game's on the line. They need the two-point play. Rattler runs out there. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and Lincoln Riley, he's like, no, come on over, Caleb. Come on over. I guess he wasn't a he wasn't a huge fan of the two point concept, so he put the guy on the field that uh, that was. Which is, uh, which I will say, once again, Lincoln Riley 
that dude's that dude's got some nuts on him, man. I mean, to make that decision when he did, like, hey, I know Spencer. Spencer loves this concept. He knows the concept. I'm gonna trot him out there. It was it was one of those decisions where I could not believe it when he did it. Yeah, and, I mean, you just and he uh, and to Rattler's credit, throws a dart. Well, that's what he got to tell him from this point on. You're a two point conversion specialist. We need you locked in, focused. We're gonna do it a lot this year, and maybe we should start doing it just to keep him keep him dialed in, keep but, him engaged. Hey, don't don't make it more than it is, right? Trust trust what you've seen in practice. Trust exactly. what you've seen on on the practice film. If one guy is better at this particular play and you've got to have it, put him out there. Don't don't make it a decision that it doesn't have to be like about the hot hand or anything. Just trust the data. You you've watched it and practiced it a million times. You know, just trust that. And he did and it and it worked. Great play. Drake Stoops makes another dude's a dude's a baller, man. He is a baller. Lead blocking baller, which gets us to a guy that I mean, I, we had to start with the QBs, but this uh, I mean, Kennedy Brooks was the man in this game. And Eric Gray, I, I also thought Eric Gray did some really good things. Thought he he's got he's got to make those guys miss in space. He had a couple one on one in space. Great opportunities, ball in his hand. You, he, he had a chance to have a couple massive plays in that game. And it was just, you know, like a, an inch or two away from having some huge plays. But Kennedy Brooks, I mean, if the Caleb Williams thing wouldn't have had like the story of the game, uh, 217 yards rushing, two touchdowns, the game winner, right? They go back to what I'm calling what direct snap. What G H counter Y lead, I think is the best way to do it. No, it just it was his contact balance, man. He he doesn't look strong. He doesn't look fast. I feel like we say that every time we talk about it. I'm sorry, Kennedy, but what a game by that dude. I mean, he was fantastic. I the way people were popping off of his pads and he was running through them. It looked like he was, you know, Bo Jackson out there. It was, it was crazy. A couple of times he was breaking three, four, five tackles running right through guys. And yeah, some of those were pathetic tackling attempts, but uh, other ones were, were legit efforts. Guys trying to coming in physically to try and bring him down. And I, he had a downhill day and it was impressive. I, I loved it. Uh, you know, we blocked some things up and, and I'm sure you'll talk about that, but a lot of it was just individual effort running through guys. Yeah. Some of the, in some of the concepts, right. It's his job to run through the unblocked guy. It's exactly what he did. I mean, he, he was great. He was great. And this was a guy that, you know, coming into the season, we're all talking about Eric gray. I don't think we owe Kennedy Brooks an apology or anything like that, but just for him to play at that level on that stage, especially when they needed him the most, man, he just a hell of a performance deserves all the respect in the world. He had a couple of nice blitz pickups as well. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, he also missed a couple, but you know, it happens, but 
I, I thought moving on to the O line because Kennedy Brooks didn't do it all himself, but it was just like this game always is. It was an absolute battle at the line of scrimmage. Texas defensive line, of course, played the best they've played all season. Now, let's start with the center, Andrew Rame. I thought he handled the environment well. And going into the game, I, I won't lie. I was, I, I, I wouldn't say I was worried, but I thought it was a big question mark for this football game uh, when it comes to what, how would he handle that setting, the noise, just the stress of playing center in that game and having to direct traffic in that game, in that setting. And I was also a little worried about him having to block those big, strong defensive tackles from Texas. And those are some strong dudes. And he battled, man. Now, once again, there's a couple snaps. He's not going to have very much fun watching, right? Just get thrown to the ground. You know, he's playing to get some big physical experience guys. He'll, He'll learn. He'll learn to play on his insteps a little more. He'll learn to grab and hold people better. He's got to stop pushing people away from his body. He needs to do the exact opposite. He needs to grab them and pull them in and not push them away and make his life harder. But all things considered, I thought that I, I thought that he he had a decent day. Now once again, gonna have some plays where he's going, oh man, not good. But it was it was not an easy task for him, and he's got to keep getting better, right? He, he's got to get better. There's no doubt if this team wants to get where it's got to go, but thought he did a better job directing traffic up there. Thought the offensive line seemed more organized. So overall, not a not a bad not a bad performance for the center. That's good. Um, yeah, the, the we. We always expect Texas to play their best game against us, which they did. But, yeah, the big defensive line was kind of a story coming in that they hadn't lived up to the hype. And you knew that they were big and physical and could move uh, and could run. So we knew that that was going to be a a tough challenge. But, yeah, that's (laughs) – and (laughs) on a day when when Beanbow was playing musical chairs. Oh, boy. uh, Rain – seemed like he was he was anchoring that spot down pretty well. Yeah, and something that people people get lost in when it comes to like, you know, how did an O-lineman play? It's like if you have a a couple negative plays, like people think you just played awful. Right? You could I could pick three or four clips from this game and you would go Andrew Rame was terrible against Texas. But it, it, it's the collection. It's the full body of work, and they had a ton of snaps offensively. Well, it's the same thing. I mean, if a corner gets beat one time on a deep ball, but the other 75 snaps doesn't really give up a whole lot and plays pretty well, all anyone remembers is the big negative play, right? And same yep. thing, you give up a sack or you give up a big tackle for loss. And it's like highlighted right there on television. And it's one of the highlights, the other side, you know, it's, it becomes a talking point. So yeah, it's man, you're out there for a ton of snaps. You just, you, if you're grading out around, you know, different people do it differently, but if you're, you're at 90% or better, you're typically doing pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Marquise Hayes, 
I've been tough on him. There's no doubt he hadn't been playing good football, especially uh, when it comes to the standard I expected from him coming into this game. Thought he played his best game of the season by far. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Definitely the best game he's played this year and played with an edge. Now, when you look at what they did from a run concept standpoint, there was a, a nice balance of, of balance of zone schemes and gap schemes. And I think that that suited him well, right? He didn't have to run too much zone, right? But, and then he got to do a little bit of the mauling in the gap stuff. And I thought, uh, I thought that blend of run style fit him well. Now he, he, he handles the big body defensive tackles well. Right, he's still a very big guy, and they rushed right into him. So he had been having some trouble this year with you know some quicker defensive tackles, redirecting things like that. They ran right down the middle of him, and he, I mean, he ate him up. It was I, I thought he played well, and they need him to play like that. They need him to play like that every damn game from this point on. Yeah, well, I think you mentioned it. I thought the balance of the run, because we were almost exclusively zone stuff against Kansas State, which they weren't prepared for it, and so I thought that worked out great. was wondering how we would mix it up against Texas, and I think it's a healthy mix, man. I think we're right where we need to be, because defensively, whenever you're getting those different concepts, it's a different technique defensively to play against it, and I know it is obviously offensively to block it, but you know, if it's zone, 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 zone all throughout the game, you typically get better at it and can see it, can sense it better throughout the game. And it's the same with gap scheme. Whenever it's just gap scheme all game, you settle into that as well. But whenever it's a mixture of both, keeps you guessing. Plus the play action stuff, you can expand your play action, um, your your catalog of plays that you've got out of both of those two. So I liked it. Yeah, Chris Murray, a little too amped up, in my opinion, to start the game. Just a little, and it was a big scene, right? That the Cotton Bowl was, I mean, the energy in that stadium. was one of the best environments I've ever been in any sport. It was fantastic. Now, once again, not a great start, but I, I think he was just, he was a little frantic early. And so Bill pulled him. I mean, sat him down. And I, I think that that period of time it allowed him to calm down a little bit, it allowed him to refocus. And once he got back on the field, I I do think he uh, other than a few few mental errors, like I, I I thought he played he played pretty dang well. He 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 got back on the field and played at the level he's been playing at, right? And he's been, in my opinion, the second most consistent guy they've had along the offensive line. And once once he got past that rough start, I thought he settled in and he was the consistent guy we've seen this season. How's he is, is 
does it look like he and Raym are starting to work better together? Raym and, and the the guards are starting to the communication getting better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it and that's one of the things that I always think you when you're going and playing in a really loud environment, right on the practice field, it forces you to communicate, like over communicate, right? Because they crank up the crowd noise in practice. So you really got to know stuff because at the center position, because then you have to be able to communicate it and you're screaming, you're doing all that stuff. And then you got to play ball, right? So it almost forces you to get better at it, whether you like it or not. So I, I think that what they did in the practice field leading up to this game, I thought they carried it over well. And yeah. that's what you want, right? And, and that you, it's still, when it comes to playing together, this is still an inexperienced group when you think yeah. of it that way. So I thought Anton Harrison, he still drives me insane. I want to make that clear, but there's two, there's just too many plays where he looks a little unsure of what he's doing, but he got pulled <laughs> and after he got back in the game, especially in the second half, there, there's a couple of stretches, a couple of series in the second half where I thought he played his best football of the season. Where I was like, yes. I mean, he's stringing four, five really good snaps together. And you're like, okay, this is what it looks like. He's looking, you know, composed in his set. He's punching. He's keeping his hips in it as opposed to getting, you know, bent over and getting push pulled. He's playing like with a with a stronger core. He's got guys locked out. I'm like, okay, this is what it looks like. Now he would still sprinkle in some plays where I just go, oh my gosh, oh my <laughs> gosh. But I did think uh, once again, it's a young player, it's a big stage, and I thought he did some better things in pass protection in the second half. He's still got a long way to go, but I'm choosing to see the positivity in the way he played in the second half. I'm not, I'm ignoring the fact that he got pulled from the game because he was messing up so much. I'm going to look at the second half and say, Hey, you know what? He did some good stuff. Well, Hey, focus on the good things. And that's, that's really all it is. You know, you've got a, a four year career and whenever you start off, there's some good, a lot of bad, and the whole goal is to just keep chipping away at the bad. And by the end of it, you're playing long stretches of really good football. So as long as he continues to improve, that's all you can ask for, right? If he's getting better week by week, that's all you can ask for. Right. And then last guy, Tyrese Robinson, Mr. Consistency. Now, he had a few bad plays, but considering he got rolled up pretty bad, it yeah. was he came back in, battled, and went after that played really well. I just it's another solid performance from him, and he's still a guard. I don't I don't want to make it sound like he's you know playing like elite at the tackle position, but I really believe he's making himself some money with the way he's playing at right tackle. Right, he's going to kick back inside in the NFL, but. I think he's he's showing a versatility and an athleticism that's doing him some good when it comes to playing at the next level. So, fifty-two, he he's playing some good ball, man. Good ball. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good to see. He had a couple of uh, had a couple of really 
and you mentioned it on the broadcast that once they got that running game rolling, they started playing with some of that nastiness that we're accustomed to out of the Oklahoma offensive line. And he was kind of leading the pack. At least <laughs> I, I, I noticed a couple of plays where he was, uh, he was playing angry out there. That's good. Yeah. Anything else offensively? We mentioned Drake Stoops, great blocker. Good job. I thought Fantastic. Hey, Stogner and Jeremiah Hall, the play where he jumped over the guy was pretty cool. That was, that was cool. I but thought Willis had a pretty good game. Willis, uh, they put, man, they put him in some tough spots at the point of attack. Yeah. And he loses some battles every once in a while, but it's not from a lack of effort. He does a good job uh, coming out of the backfield in the split zone stuff, you know, he, sifting through the trash, finding guys. He, he does a nice job. Those guys are kind of the unsung heroes, right? The Willis's, oh, no the doubt. Stoops, Stogner, they're asking him to block a lot more. He's not catching the ball hardly at all right now. So those, but those are guys that are making Jeremiah Hall. Of course, those guys are making, they're, they're make, making winning plays, but you have that. to have those guys. Yeah. I loved that play in split backs. I think we saw Willis uh, more snaps at split backs, maybe than we've seen him all season. And on a blitz pickup, he stepped up, stoned the backer right there in the hole. We got off a nice pass downfield. That was that was nice. Good to see a lot of different guys making good contributions. All right, now it's now it's going to get interesting because we're going to talk about the defense. <laughs> but first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 access to clean and safe places. And congrats to Rick L. Congrats, Rick L. No, no last name on on, on Rick L's Twitter. But congrats on winning this week's $25 game day gift card from Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, and my favorite, of course, Java Amore. The coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Not ideal when you give up a touchdown on the first play of the game. It is not. Typically, it is not an ideal situation. Um. You want to start there? We can start there. Uh, we we can start wherever you want. You're the defense no, I, defensive guru. You have that's how the you have rewatched the, the game. It was uh, it was very simple. It's a missed tackle, and a lot of times defensively, you can't do anything other than have an unblocked guy 
you know, on the chalkboard, you've got this guy is supposed to make this tackle on this ball carrier. And there's not really anything else you can do to help the guy out. You just have to go and make that play. Is it tough? Yes. Is there a ton of space there? Yes. Are you isolated from everyone else? And if you miss it, it's going to look really bad. Yes. But that's the nature of the game in which we play. You've got to go pull the trigger. You got to flatten the guy out and you got to make a tackle. You don't have to blow him up. You just have to grab onto cloth and get him down. That is not a blow up tackle. You, you just get the guy down. Um, you know, we, that play was bad for multiple reasons. We had an unblocked guy miss the tackle. We had our safety who was making his way back, get hurt on the first play, re-injure the, the hamstring, I guess. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of some of the effort on that play. And a lot of times it's, it's not that you're ever going to catch the guy. It just looks horrible on film to see someone running down the sideline on you and a bunch of guys on the field jogging. I watched 24 Osamoa pass about four guys on that play, sprinting his ass off, and he was 30 yards behind the play. Okay, That's what it's supposed to look like. Um, you should never be passed by a defender on a long play. Um, we we got to make the play first and foremost. We can't get our ass blocked off out there on the edge. Um, Bowman's a small guy. He's a he's a freshman. He's in the right spot. He's fitting on the right side right side of the the blocker. And it's one of those things. It's like yes, you're on the right side of the guy. And it's like, look, coach, this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, you've got to beat the block. You don't just you don't just get blocked. Like once you've forced it in, you shed the guy, and then you help make the play. You've got to squeeze it. You got to contain the space, make it easier on your other guy that's coming in. But it's frustrating to see a missed tackle go for that big a yardage. Definitely. So now that you're in a good mood. <laughs> what what else stood out to you defensively? Because right, it just if you would have told me, hey, Bijan Robinson's only going to have 137 yards rushing, I would have been ecstatic. Now I can't believe oh. Sarkeesian didn't give him the ball more, and they didn't get the ball to him in the passing game hardly at all. But what what did you what did you think of the way that they contained Bijan? I thought it was okay at times. I just to speak generally, and, and I can talk about some of the touchdown plays in a minute, but just talking about the defense generally, um, we are, we are way better whenever we've got our starting defensive line out there. And we, you do, you always have to rotate. You've got to find a balance between, playing with our best players and, you know, rotating some other guys in. And so I've got half of me is like, we need those guys out there more. The other half of me is like, well, if you're going to be out there, please, would you go a hundred percent the entire time? If you don't go a hundred percent from snap to whistle, it looks to me like a coach 
that you need more rest, right? You're not flying to the football like you should be. It looks like you need more rest. So you've got to be a part of that equation to where whenever I pop the film on, this guy's got energy. He's flying to the football. He's every time he's there. So I don't say, well, look at him. That's a bunch of loaves, probably playing too many snaps if he can't handle it. So that's one of the things. But we're definitely better whenever they're they're out there. Um, this is a this is a huge um, pet peeve of mine. At the it's it's usually the defensive back spot, and. We don't cap off on at the end of plays. And what that means is to, to the, the folks that don't know is whenever, whenever you say cap off, that means it's a running play. The running back has got a seven-yard gain. Someone makes a tackle, and the running back is dragging him for you know a yard or two. And then everyone comes running up with their arms out, like chopping their feet as the guy goes down to the ground. Instead of capping off and the guy's dragging someone for a yard or two and a safety comes from about 12 yards and blast the dude right in the mouth. That's what you do because you know what happens next time? As soon as that linebacker grabs him, he goes down to the ground on purpose because he doesn't want to get peppered in the face every single time he runs the ball. Whenever they run an RPO, and a guy catches it, and the corner's dragging him down, and the safety comes up and is like, whoa, in position. And he goes down to the ground, and he, you know, he dra- drags the corner for three yards instead of sticking your shoulder pad directly in his sternum and knocking the air out of him. You know what happens next time? He short arms it, or he catches it and goes straight down. We got to cap guys off. The only person that I see on the team capping off on every single play that he's out there is 24 off Samoa. Other than that, there's a whole lot of what they call herding chickens, running up with your arms out, making sure you're in good position. Like you're herding chickens at the farm. So uh, that is a frustration of mine. Like If you want to play good defense, you have to absolutely punish people. Because those yards are important. Talk about it all the time. The difference between second and seven and second and five is huge. And the reason it's huge is because of the call sheet on the other side. Second and five has a huge list of things. Second and seven is different. Same thing on third down. So that's a, that's a big frustration of mine right now. We've, we've got to be more aggressive finishing plays. Now, it's not like you're saying, hey, go get a bunch of targeting calls and get ejected from the game. But there is a there is a certain physicality. Like, I, I watched the Georgia game. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going on with Georgia. If, Finishing if plays just yeah. because, and that's something like as an offensive guy, you, when you watch tape and you see that's t- like that type of stuff happening whether it's defensive linemen it's like hey we got to keep blocking these guys because they're gonna go kill the running back if we don't like that was those types of discussions happen like they're 
when you see that type of stuff on film, it it changes the way that you are perceived by your opponent. Well, there's no doubt. And trust me, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. They will they will go down to the ground. Like, you know, whenever we see these running backs carrying like three people and then they like for seven yards, if if the right safeties are playing, that happens once or twice in a game. And then from then on, it's like, boy, we're doing a better job of tackling him. No, he's doing a better job of getting down whenever the first guy gets there because he doesn't want to get his face mask caved in. So I just I I would love to see more of that. I really would. Um, but to talk about some of like there was there was a lot of good out there. I thought the pass rush for the most part was was really good. Um, they I, they knocked the shit out of Casey Thompson. They did. They did. I mean, they really like he was hurting after the game and it wasn't just his hand. I'm just like, Oh yeah. They hit him. They affected I mean, he got him in the high pocket. load that fourth down that, that we stopped before that final drive they had. I mean, they high load them both, both defensive ends. One, uh, Isaiah Thomas. I think he waited all game for that moment to hit that dude with the spin and it worked perfect. And he drilled, uh, Thompson. Um, I will say too, at the second level backer, it, we are we in this game. We played, uh, we played Aguebu, we played Deshaun White, we played Asamoa, we played Shane Witter, and we played Stutzman. And I don't think there's any doubt our best two, our most productive two players that stick out, is Asamoa and Stutzman. Stutzman at Mike, Asamoa at the will. Would not shock me if that's your starting two the next game. And I, it also wouldn't shock me if we start to whittle down that group that's playing. I am I am not a linebacker expert, Ted, but that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Right? I mean, other guys, too much hesitation, not pulling the trigger, like not decisive enough. 28 and 24, when they've made the decision, man, yeah, it is. It is full damn speed to the football, which is, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're all going to make mistakes. There's there's, there's going to be things happen. You're going to be in the wrong spot. You're going to miss an adjustment. You may miss a fit, but miss it at a thousand miles an hour, you know, and I, I think Stutzman, his mistakes are small. Uh, Shane Witter was in no man's land for a bunch of that football game out there. Um, you know, and it, it, I believe it was he and Aguebu that were in on Bijan Robinson's long run. And it was just, it did not look good. Aguebu had, had a really bad whiff on Bijan Robinson. Uh, Witter was in the wrong spot, which that play is a whole bunch of bad by Oklahoma a whole lot of good by Bijan Robinson. That just shows how great he is. But I sent you the, the video of it. We had unbelievable effort on that play from 90 and from 40. Amazing effort to get that to where he was down on the one-yard line. Now, they end up scoring, but you always, always, always make them snap it again. Just like you go back to K-State, 
we're down inside the the five yard line or wherever we were, and the snap goes flying past Caleb Williams. That's why you always make him snap it again. You never know. You hope to get off of the field goal there. We end up giving up the touchdown, but gosh, if if you haven't seen that and watch and and saw that long run by Bijan Robinson and watched those two defensive linemen run, it was it was great. Tremendous effort. That's that's definitely what it looks like. Okay, a few positive things. Second half, defense. Only allowed 171 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. They only scored 10 points in the second half. That's positive, right? Now, they only had three sacks, but we talked about it. They were getting after that offensive line, and Casey Thompson was not comfortable for the majority of that football game. But what is going on with the huge plays in the secondary? Well, we talked about the the bubble. The first play of the game was missed tackle. Uh, the next deep ball we gave up, well, the next touchdown actually we gave up was the miscommunication between the two corners. Um, whenever you've got the two players that are stacked or that are stacked close to each other, you're on the 10-yard line you got two corners that are on the exact same level. It's, you know, a pick route is coming. If you're a man to man, you have to communicate how you're going to do it. Either one guy needs to press and the other guy needs to come off the ball a little bit. So we'd be at different levels or we've got to communicate that we're going to go inside, outside. You have to figure something out. You can't just get picked and have an easy throw and catch touchdown. That one is uh, that one was frustrating to watch. I mean, it's a good throw, but my goodness, we made it about as easy as possible. Um, the next deep ball, uh, the one that was really thrown really far down to our end zone, uh, it's a busted rotation by McCutcheon. It's hard, but they start with trips into the boundary. Trips into the boundary is difficult, especially the way that we rotate it. The nickel is to the field. He doesn't come over with the trip. So the nickel is back as a deep third player, right? So then you've got a safety rotated up on the other side. When they motion back from trips into the boundary to two by two, nickel rolls up, safety back, corner is now back. And we missed it. Latrell McCutcheon missed it, was too late, and the guy flies right by him. He's a deep third player, which means he's responsible outside third for the go ball. He he was it was just a late adjustment and he and he busted and by the time he remembered oh my god it was too late so that was a mental mistake there um, you know Jaden Davis they, fooled by the fake yeah. look to the sideline got well, him but, well they both were both corners it got both of them our whole def- there was a bunch of snaps and our whole defense is just standing up and standing there. There was a lot of, hey, what's the call? What's the call Mm -hmm. going on from the defensive line on the tape? Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, that's (laughs) – there's there's that goes back a long time. The the coach is trying to get the absolute best call in, and um, you understand some of that, but you can't go to sleep out there and and have them quick snap you, which it's a pretty smart play. I mean – Casey Thompson's looking to the sideline whenever he claps and catches the ball. It's, it's pretty nice how they, how they do that, but uh, you got to be ready. And the last touchdown, just 
it was on McCutcheon again, but I thought the coverage was really good. Just, and it was a great throw. I mean, it's a crossing route all the way, starts on the right side, comes all the way across the field. Casey Thompson is standing on the right hash and throws it all the way to that very far left corner of the end zone. We just have absolutely zero rush. It was, I mean, no pressure at all. And it may have been a blessing in disguise because Texas scored too fast. Yes, they did. They did. Okay. I, I, would, I, would, I would say this stuff on the back end is it's, it's easy stuff, but you just can't keep doing it. You know, it's communication. It's eyes. It's understanding like what's going to like trips into the boundary is a difficult formation because of the adjustments in like the way that you have to play it. So if I line up, if I know it's difficult, whenever I line up, I have to anticipate these couple of things that are going to happen before they happen. Like if I'm, if there's a chance I go from being a flat player to a deep third player, like that's a huge difference, right? So I need to be wired in. If this happens, I've got to get out here and get depth. I'm, I'm responsible for the deep ball. You, that can't be done on the fly. Anytime you get that formation and that adjustment happens, you've got to be ready at that moment. You mentioned the deep ball to Xavier Worthy that tied the game. The defensive line that got no rush on that play. Remember, Texas is trying to go tie the game. Game is on the line. Defensive line on that play. Ellison, Kelly, Jordan Kelly, not Caleb. Jordan Kelly. Ethan Downs and Marcus Stripling. I'm all for rotating guys. I'm all for it. That cannot be the defensive line when the game is on the line. No. It can't. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I, I made that comment during the broadcast. Like, we'd like to have our, our best guys out there at this point. Now, I will say that on a, there, be, there comes a point on a drive, if you've been out there for a certain amount of plays as a defensive lineman, that you become very ineffective as a pass rusher. And it's better to have a fresh person out there. But in that moment, on that stage, whenever you absolutely know this is your last drive, like there's nothing to say. We're not saving for the next quarter. You, you got to have your best guys out there. Okay, so anything else defensively? No, let's get off of it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do some more next week. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't talked about the Caleb Kelly play yet. Huge play. Yeah. Special yep. teams, you, you knew there was going to be something in this game that happened in special teams that would would have a huge impact on the game, and the old man did it. Man, That was – I mean, you just don't see that very often. Just taking the ball, I mean, just picking no. it clean, and what a massive play. And it was – I mean, it was cool. I, I, w- I was very happy. For Caleb Kelly, like it's been, it's been up and down for him at Oklahoma, and 
it was awesome to see him have that moment. It really was. It was the equalizer. You know, they blocked the punt and got the touchdown off of it. He strips the guy. We get the touchdown off of it. That negated, essentially, if you want to look at it that way, that that first or, I guess, second touchdown by Texas that they generated off of that block punt, and we had to have it. Um, absolutely had to have it at that moment. Momentum was building, and that was like – I. Until I saw the replay, I had no idea what had happened. I mean, how could you? It just happened so fast. He just straight up took the ball away from the dude. It was an awesome play. Awesome play. And not just on that play, but several times, our kickoff coverage team did a great job pinning them inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, some really good stuff on special teams. Other than the block punt, Mm -hmm. not good. Not good. But one other thing, just Lincoln Riley's decision-making in this game. Right. I, I thought I thought he showed a lot of confidence in his team taking the field goals when he did. Now, if they would have been, you know, kind of some, you know, shorter fourth down situations, who knows what he does, but he he didn't get too impatient and it ended up working out for him. Now I will say this. I did not I I was not a big fan of the way that he managed the clock on the last drive of the game. He he had two timeouts. I was sitting there. On the sideline, like the clock is running. Am I the only one seeing this? Like I was, I was so confused, Ted. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. He, it turned out to work out. It worked out nicely, but I agree. It was a weird game because it, it was just so long. So much happened early that you, you. You had to fight the urge to feel like like we've got to do everything right now. There was still a ton of time left in the game whenever he was making some of those decisions. So it was it was good not to get caught up in necessarily what the scoreboard said score-wise, but the way your team is playing. Continue to lean on the way your team is playing. Defense is starting to play better in the second half, getting after the quarterback. Running game is there. We're moving the ball. We've got a little bounce in our step. We're going to, we're going to, it's, this won't be the last time we have a chance. Let's take the sure points now. The crowd. That was the best crowd. Now, I, I don't know, but the, the Oklahoma half of things, especially when Texas was in that end especially late in the game, the crowd was awesome. So I, I, I've i got my headphones in on the sideline, right, so I can hear you and Toby. But every once in a while, I'll pop an ear out so I can hear how loud the crowd is because I want to get a feeling for it, you know, just because it's like, okay, how hard is it for them to communicate, like that type of stuff. It was loud as shit. That was about... That was as juiced as I've seen OU fans in a long time. I mean, a long time, Ted. That was it was cool to see, man. I, I, it's one of the few times, and heck, maybe the only time that I believe the fan base is directly responsible for the outcome of that football game directly 
the way they handled the team coming in uh, at halftime down, cheering them, standing ovation. There was a big roar when they were going in. The way they handled uh, the Rattler situation coming in for the two-point conversion. The It was a uh, – however long – I don't know how long it was like of time elapsed where they were just at a absolute frenzy, basically the entire fourth quarter, an absolute frenzy. And our sideline was, there was so much energy over there. Those players were so amped and feeding off of that. It was, it's the best environment I've ever seen for a football game. Crazy, just absolutely crazy. I loved it. So, OU fans, we've talked about how you can make a difference. Think about the difference you made in the West Virginia game. Now, I'm not saying that you weren't chanting for a really talented quarterback. I'm not saying that. (laughs) And the booing and all that stuff, it's like you can affect the team in more ways than you know. And that game was the perfect example of it. And I'll I'll tell you – and I don't think Kennedy Brooks would mind me saying, like, we're walking walking towards the tunnel at halftime. And he's walking. And he's got this. He's just kind of like walking. I'm like, hey, man, go in there and just spread some ridiculous positivity. Like, I was like, they're not going to score 38 points and a half again. Like, it's not going to happen. You guys are going to have a chance to to win this football game. Make sure everyone in that locker room knows that. And make sure they believe it. And it sounds like, there were a lot of guys that were that were keeping the team up and they chipped away and chipped away and then the crowd helped them out and they chipped away and I, I just thought it was you know there there were so many things that happened in that game but when you look at just the perseverance the battling through adversity man that is that's what sports are all about sooner magic whatever yep. you want to call it that's sports that yeah. was awesome. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, like what you said there to Kennedy Brooks walking in, I, I, we talked about it on the broadcast at halftime, going into halftime. Um, you mentioned it there to Kennedy Brooks. The fans, the way they cheered them going in, I, I felt fine about the game. Like, obviously it wasn't going the way that you wanted. You would like to – to be up with a massive margin, but I, I was like, Hey, I, they got a chance to win this football game. Cause we were starting to see some things happen there before halftime where you're like, okay, we, yeah, yeah. We got a chance to win this thing. Okay. Let's get to call your shot. Got a couple for you. We asked number one takeaway from OU's win over Texas. This comes from Ron Buckley on Twitter. He said, who invited the Mojo Fox, and can we trademark it before Notre Dame steals it? I mean, oh, Rod, that's good. That's good, I Rod. That. I love it. Yeah. Where did that fox come from? I don't know where it came from, and I don't know where he went. It was, if no you didn't idea. see it, a fox ran on the field. What was that, the first quarter? And that was... That's how good the game was. A a live fox running on the field is like the hundredth hundred thing on the list of things that happened in that game. It that game hit the bingo card 
like it hit everything. Blocked punt, strip on special teams by Caleb Kelly. You had deep balls. You had live animals. You had all kinds of crazy things. Quarterbacks getting benched. It was it was everything. It was amazing. It had everything. Okay, this last one comes from Tim Meyer. I knew we were going to get something like this, Ted. It says it's Tim says it seems like what I saw and didn't see in regards to Rattler not celebrating with his teammates. ABC had a shot of him after interview with Lincoln and Rattler's look on his face was he was on the losing team. No smile at all. Also saw a video of him leaving field alone. I will say this. Spencer Rattler handled that entire situation a lot better than a lot of people would have. He was on the sideline. Now it's not like he was jumping for joy or anything, but he was supporting his teammates and the situation, like, I mean, fans came on the field, which never seen that at the cotton bowl. And it, it created an interesting situation. I don't know if it was up to him to do that or if someone there at OU said, Hey, we don't want anyone to say something crazy to him or anything like that. But I will say this. We can all sit here and say that we would have stayed on the field and taken the team picture and smiled and been happy. But I don't think anyone knows how they would respond to that situation. If you're Spencer Rattler, like think of what he, the expectation for him coming into the season to that point. And think of what's going through his head. Think of what he's feeling physically and emotionally. I mean, the kid had to feel like his whole world had just fallen apart. He didn't punch anyone in the face. He wasn't cussing at people. He wasn't disrespecting anyone. He removed himself from a situation where who knows what could happen. Is it ideal? No. You want to say, yeah, he should have been a better, you know, team first guy. He should have stayed for the picture. That's easy for us to say. But I don't know what that feels like. Like, imagine being in his shoes. It had to feel like everything just fell apart for him. Yeah. And I I think it's I think it's just ridiculous that everyone is just killing him for it. Like you, it's easy for us to say we all would have done the team first thing. I guarantee you a bunch of people are full of shit. If you would have done it, the only reason you would have done it is so people didn't talk about you not doing it. Like everyone is celebrating the win that happened because you got pulled out of the game. Like there's nothing to celebrate for you. I, I know the team is undefeated, and that's great, but, I mean, it's, it's not that hard to think about. Imagine getting fired in front of your coworkers, not like a phone call. Imagine getting fired right in front of your coworkers. And then imagine getting fired in front of your coworkers and your family. Then think about getting fired in front of your coworkers, your family, and all of your friends. And then think about getting fired in front of your coworkers, your family, 
all of your friends and everyone else on the planet. It's, it's not, it's a miserable experience, especially whenever you're sitting there, imagine getting fired in front of all those people. And you know, there's a camera on your face trying to get your reaction. Uh, Caleb Williams throws a long touchdown pass. Let's get a shot of Spencer Rattler to, to see the agony on his face as he watches the other guy have success in a game where he got benched in. It's, it's a it's a brutal thing to have to go through. It's miserable. So what I think we're both saying is take it easy on the kid. Yeah, all he did was come in and execute uh, a two-point conversion to help win the game. I mean, I my hat's off to him. It's that's not it's not it's it's brutal to go through. It's just it's brutal. I bet you we just made some people feel really bad about themselves. <laughs> and that no. was the goal. <laughs> no, it just, man, that had to be hard. All right, let's get to National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices through Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, it's still hot outside, so you know what that means. It's still hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Cooper Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic Drive-In flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a Citrus Variety Pack or a Tropical Variety Pack. Find it at your local grocery store, convenience store, or liquor store, Sonic Hard Seltzer. Okay, Penn State goes to Iowa and suffers the wrath of the Iowa turnover machine. That is that defense. Penn State 20, Iowa 23. And even though Sean Clifford had thrown two awful interceptions in the first quarter, he was using his legs really well. Penn State was in full control of that football game. What, 17-3 they went up? 17-3. And the way that Iowa's offense was playing, it felt like a massive lead. That Penn State defense, it was shutting down Iowa's running game. Spencer Petrus wasn't exactly looking great, and it did not look like there was a chance in hell Iowa was, was going to be able to overcome that deficit. But then they put together a nice drive, little run, little pass, cut it to 17-10, and then Sean Clifford gets hurt. And it changed the football game. And I, I did not think that Taquan Roberson was awful by any means. He had some really awful field position to work with. Shout out to Iowa's punter. That guy knows what he's doing with the old lob wedge. But Penn State's defense, they they forced field goals and that they had avoided giving up the huge play. 
and, and then Iowa got him on the big play action shot, right? And that was the biggest play of the game. Nico Reganey, which is sounds like he should be a famous gymnast or what something. Name. But he faked Ted the it would make you sad seeing how good that route was. Just he fakes running the over route. He kind of turns and runs it over out the other direction. The safety spins at a circle, uh, just a great ball by Petrus. And that was the difference in the game. It was an awesome play. But again, the story of this game, I was defense. I mean, they, they didn't get a ton from the offense, but they didn't need it. Right. Forced four turnovers. They now have 20 forced turnovers in six games. It's absurd. It's crazy. It's crazy in an era where turnovers just don't come like they used to. Um, gosh, that's crazy. And give Iowa credit. They had, they had another great home field advantage. They had a great atmosphere, another great football game. Hated to see Clifford go down, but, you know, Petrus is solid. But if the running game isn't going for Iowa, he's he becomes pretty ineffective. When he's put in predictable spots, he becomes ineffective. Um, but, hey, protection on the big play, you know, that's that offensive line from, from Iowa doing the job there to – to hit the big play, but man, four turnovers to add to what they had 16 through, through five is just, it's ridiculous. Impressive. Yeah, I guess, I guess the only negative thing from the turnover, did you see the Riley Moss kid? Apparently I, it looked like he heard his knee celebrating. That's what it looked like. Oh no. Pulled a, a grammatica. It, I, I guess after the game, Kirk Ferentz was like, Oh, we, we think it's a positive diagnosis for him, but I'm I'm hoping he heard it during the play, but it looked a lot like he heard it celebrating. Definitely, yeah. unfortunate. Mm. I hate that. That's brutal. Yeah, you've got it, and you you do everything you can to try and play it off too. It's like I got to make it to the next snap. <laughs> I got to hide this and make it to the next snap somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other thing in this game, if you were able to watch it on Fox, lots of ref hat cam in this game and yep they just put a camera on the ref's hat they went to it a couple times and i'm not gonna lie didn't hate it it was kind of it was different it was i was like oh that's different they've tried that in the nfl several different times and never really go back to it uh if we're talking about cams uh how about the pylon cam catching the shot of mim's foot oh how awesome was that I was so happy for Marvin Mims, Dallas kid, just making yeah. big plays in OU Texas. I like that guy, man. Awesome. Great interview. Okay, next game, Arkansas 51, Ole Miss 52. This game was like a drug for people that love offensive football. 1,287 yards of offense. And it came in a variety of ways, Mr. Lehman. Long sustained drives, quick scoring drives, big, huge, explosive plays in the run game, huge, explosive plays in the passing game. KJ Jefferson was slinging it to Traylon Burks. And he was also Superman diving and juking dudes left and right to get in the end zone on a couple different runs. Matt Corral, he was throwing darts to Braylon Sanders. And he was also like a battering ram 
at the goal line, just like running through people to score touchdowns. I mean, it was insane. Arkansas ran for 350. Ole Miss ran for 324. Traylon Smith and Rocket Sanders for the Hogs. Snoop Connor and Henry Parrish for the Rebels. Ted, I'm pretty sure these guys are still running. I mean, there was no stopping them. As a defensive guy, you had to have loved this game. You had to have appreciated this game the way I did. But the thing that everyone's going to be talking about, Sam Pittman saying, hey, we're going for two. We're going for the win. I loved the call. I didn't love the play call. Few too many options. I think there was an option to like, there was an option to like pitch it. There was an option to throw it. There was an option to run it. That's that's one too many options for me. That's a lot to process. And they end up coming up short, lose by a point. But I agree with the call. But I'm assuming you enjoyed the game that had 14 touchdowns as much as I did. I enjoyed the highlights of the game. Uh, I don't think I could sit there and enjoy watching it. Uh, Maybe I could. I don't know. If I've got no interest in it, like if I've got no vested interest in it, then I could probably enjoy a game like that. But I love the call to go for two there. Uh, I got no problem with it. He is, he's trying to, he's trying to establish uh, an attitude there, a mindset. I got no problem with, with him trying to take advantage of that because who knows, I, you know, you've, you've obviously been able to move the ball, but if you got an opportunity to win the game and end it, let's go. So yeah, uh, I love the call and I, I'm kind of with you on that. When, when you start to get too many options, you start to take away someone's athleticism and they they end up thinking instead of just reacting. So yeah, unfortunate for Arkansas, but nice win for Ole Miss. Get all right, you can have your pop, popcorn now, I guess, right? And that what uh, Kiffin said. Yeah, and also Ole Miss, they wore the blue uh, blue jerseys with the blue helmets. It's a strong look. Yeah, they look good. Look. All right, last game, Georgia thirty four, Auburn ten, and it started off pretty solidly for Auburn. Right, they had an put together like a 17 play opening drive. We are like, all right, you know, they kicked field goal. Maybe, maybe this can be interesting. And then it was over. Georgia's defense settled in. It just, I don't know if this is too graphic of a description, Ted, but they strangled Auburn's offense, like strangled it to death. They, they, they couldn't run the ball, right? Tanks, yeah. Tank Bigsby, uh, Bo Nix. They couldn't run it at all. And Bo Nix, is, he's just not the type of quarterback that is going to beat a team like Georgia, dropping back and throwing it 38 times. I mean, that's just no. that's not what he does. But it did feel like Georgia getting that big goal line stop before the half uh, was gave him even more momentum. I wonder if Brian Harson regrets that decision. I uh, wonder if he wishes he would have just taken the points there. But Georgia ran it pretty well in this one with White and Milton and – our boy Stetson. I mean, Stetson Bennett, excuse me, Stetson Bennett is, he's efficient. He, he's efficient, and I'm not sure he's good enough to go win them a national championship, but he was good in this one. 
Man, he was letting it fly down the field. That was the most I've seen him push it down the field. He was pretty accurate with the deep ball. Showed off the wheels at times. It'll be interesting to see what Kirby Smart does at quarterback moving forward. But that Georgia defense, they gave up 10 points. 10 on the road against a you know, decently talented team. And it almost feels like they didn't play very well. Like the standard they're being held to is crazy. Georgia yeah. is good. They're good. I thought it looked like they were going to hold them to three. And I, because they were allowing like 5.8 and then they shut out Arkansas and it went down to like 4.4 or something. Nice. <laughs> Just. Just muted to drink water and spilled it all over myself. The YouTube, uh, the YouTube viewers will enjoy that one. That's great. Um, yeah, they shut out Arkansas to take their points per game down to four, and I was like, no way that they're going to hold someone to under their average of four point. Well, I think it's four point four or something like that again. So uh, I'm actually glad they didn't, and they gave up ten. But they're really good, and Stetson and. They don't need any unbelievable play at quarterback right now. They almost won the national championship with Fromm as a true freshman at quarterback, like never even throwing the football down the field. So it looks like they're going to try the same thing this year. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what JT Daniels is, is his prognosis is going to be moving forward, but I the formula for them is good right now. There's going to come a time where they're going to need some offense, but you know, maybe, maybe there is not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the only thing that could really derail this thing for them is some, some big injuries on the defensive side. Yeah. Right. You know, like a Jordan Davis, someone like that going down. Like that's, that's the only thing because – that that defense is i mean it is elite they got talent everywhere so we'll we'll see now i'm not saying that you know they're they're just going to waltz to a national championship i don't i don't think that i don't think that with with some of their limitations offensively i think that oh it's it's going to be tough for them to win it all but right now with what we've seen up to this point they look damn good damn good yep all right, Agreed. let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? SoftRock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. SoftRock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own The Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and The Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. 
Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And don't think I forgot about making you do some ad reads from now on. I didn't forget. We just got to pick which ones you're going to do. All right. You just tell me which ones and I'll, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to do some. Oh, I can't wait. You're good at reading, so I'm not worried. You're, by the way, you got a bunch of ads on the radio broadcast now. Pike Pass. Yeah. Yeah. Little Pike Pass. All right. Winners and losers of the weekend. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I know we already talked about this, but I have to give full credit. It's the Oklahoma fan base. Unbelievable. Not only did they fight through the 11 a.m. kickoff, and let me tell you, they got it in the night before. It's not like everyone said, hey, let's all get to bed early. We got an early kick. No, they got it in Friday night. They were there in full force at 11 a.m. It was hot as hell. It was a long it, – it, it was an over four-hour football game. And they brought it the entire time. Stormed the field right past the security, right past the Dallas PD. They brought it, man. That was awesome. And I still believe the fan base, the fan base is directly responsible for Oklahoma winning that game. I fully believe it. Never seen an atmosphere like that anywhere for any football game. Best thing I've ever witnessed is where does that rank in? Uh, obviously, you won a national championship, so I'm going to assume that's going to be the number one. But where does that rank? Like since you've been doing the radio call, where's that rank for you in the games? Like, like that game? Yeah, that's is the it number best one football game I've ever seen. Of any uh, any level at any time, that's the best football game I've ever been to, I've ever seen. I don't know what it looked like on television. I didn't watch the TV copy, but it, at that game in person, it was insane. It was awesome. It had absolutely everything. You'd never see a football game that has as many things happen as what happened in that game. It was unbelievable. What is so, it, how's it, where's it ranked for you? It's up there. I, I I was thinking about it after the game. I was like, did I enjoy that or the Bama Sugar Bowl more? I played in the Bama Sugar Bowl, so it's kind of like I, you know, I got my bias, mm-hmm. but like the that the energy and like the comeback, like it just made it. I don't know. It was awesome. I th- this is the best way to put it. I do. I, I never keep the credential we get for a game. I throw it like as I'm walking out of the stadium, I throw it away. Like I have no sentimental value for any credential. I just, I know some people keep every single one. I was about to do it. And I was like, you know what? We'll hold on to this one. I'm proving I was at this one. I, I, I'm, it's the best football game I've ever witnessed. Amazing. I think a lot of OU fans will agree with you. Now, 
we could get into a conversation about, you know, Texas being like the number 21 in the country and maybe you shouldn't have fallen down 28 to seven like that, but it wouldn't have been as good if that, all of that wouldn't have happened. I, I, that's what made it great. Uh, Everything about it was awesome. I don't even care about the rankings. We both could have been unranked. I just, what happened on the field was the most entertaining thing I've ever witnessed. And again, the OU fans hat is off. Amazing. I, I agree that that I feel like in my lifetime now, maybe 2000 Nebraska or the jump around game in 08 against tech. But I feel like but those are different because I feel like that's the, winning both of them. Right. I feel like that's the biggest impact an OU crowd has had on a game in my lifetime. Oh yeah. Yes. Now I've, I've been, uh, I've seen a couple of moments like where it got so loud that it impacted the game, but and that was, it was loud Saturday. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't really that it was loud. It was like 50,000 people or however many OU fans were there were willing every single play into existence. It was awesome. It was just, I you can't even explain it. How cool it was. Good job. OU fans. I was yelling a lot by far the most I've ever yelled <laughs> as the, on the sideline. I was just like making audible noise, <laughs> just screaming to the fans, like pumping the crowd. Out. I was like, I got to do my part. <laughs> it was, it was awesome, I, man. I think that's how everyone felt. I'll say this. My, uh, my wife, she went to the game with my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law or both my sister-in-laws, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law's friend <laughs> and they were exhausted after the oh, game. Oh God, I can't imagine. They were, it was like, it was one of those things. And I feel like that's how a bunch of OU fans, like they just put everything they had into the game. Everything they had, like they're all like straight to bed afterwards, like the whole thing. Like I feel like that's how a vast majority of OU fans at that game felt like, hey man, we we left it all on the field too. <laughs> like that's that's what it felt like. I feel like you know, there's the people that didn't go down, like stayed home and watched the game, or or went to watch parties. And it sounds like everyone at all the watch parties were exhausted too and gave it all they had. I mean, just just insane, man. I loved it. It was, it was great. It was my brother-in-law's first OU Texas. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's the one right there, man. Amazing. That's the one. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I got to go with John Gruden. Ooh, uh, controversy. Gruden going through it right now. Sent some emails 11 years ago or 10 years ago. And he apparently there's some racist stuff in there, maybe about Demurray Smith and he called Roger Goodell uh, some type of name in an email. Um, so I do, I, I'm not, I, I'm not defending. Well, I'm, I'll defend the Roger Goodell thing, but obviously not defending anything racist, but he is in a bad spot where they're going back through 
Washington football team emails, and they're getting emails from him whenever he wasn't even an employee of the NFL. So um, that sucks for him, but I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know like how his team feels about it. I'm sure he had to to go to those guys uh, right away and tell them what's about to happen. And I don't know. It's it's a weird situation, but uh, a lot of people are asking that he he has to do some type of punishment, whatever that might be. Yeah, and I don't think I think it was clearly a distraction. I mean, anybody that was watching Red Zone on Sunday, the Raiders got beat by the Bears in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can you can say, no, it was Justin Fields. He was great. And it's like, uh, you know, they, didn't, they didn't stop the run particularly well, but it was also like that team just looked, looked a little out of sync. Yeah. Right? And this is why this is, this is, it, it's not, the same as the urban Meyer thing, but it's, it's like similar. Like you, you always want to avoid, avoid becoming a distraction for your football team. And that's what happened. And when, when there are distractions, it takes away from the focus of the team. I mean, it's only natural that it happens that way. And the Raiders scored nine points and they got beat by the bears at home. Yeah. Scored nine points. They've been they've been pretty good offensively this year too. So yeah, yeah. So no doubt. Yeah. All right. If you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top twenty whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. That's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it perfect to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. Okay, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Valtteri Botas. Want to talk a little F1 here, Ted. I know it's yeah. your favorite. Won his first Formula One Grand Prix in over a year holding off Max Verstappen in the Turkish Grand Prix or Grand Prix, as the fancy people say. But driver's championships heating up, man. I mean, it's heating up. Verstappen overtook Lewis Hamilton after this race. It's getting Uh-oh. intense, Ted. I know you love it. I know you love Uh-oh. it. Oh, Come on, Mercedes. Get your stuff together. Yeah. I mean, they did win this one because now he's not going to drive for Mercedes after this year, but. Botas, he he is the second driver for Mercedes. Uh, so okay. everyone felt good for him. It's like, oh, yeah. It was almost like, you know, when they bring the kid that's really bad off the basketball team off the end of the bench and they score, they're like, yay. <laughs> that's a horrible comparison, but that's how I feel like some people treat Botas. And he's like one of the best drivers in the world. It's just funny. It's that's like, good. oh, good for him. But 
Winner of the weekend, Arizona Cardinals. The five and O Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team in the National Football League, got a hard fought home win against the 49ers. And they they proved they can win in different ways, right? They did not have an explosive day offensively, but that's what good teams do. They can win different styles of games. And I thought the 49ers defense played pretty well, but Kyler made enough plays, and DeAndre Hopkins ended up mossing Josh Norman. Oh, you hate Josh Norman giving up a play. You just hate to see it. But that was the play of the game, clearly. Uh, although the Rondell Moore catch was really sweet on the sideline. That was, once again, some great camera work this week in football. Just some fantastic camera work. That was a great one as well. But that's a, I mean, that's a, another good win for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And all of a sudden, that defense is looking better. That yep. Arizona defense, I, and I know they're playing against rookie Trey Lance. And, you know, he's feels like maybe he's swimming mentally a little bit, but made it really difficult on him, got big stops on a couple of key fourth down attempts by the 49ers. Uh, Kyler's got to be the leader right now for the NFL MVP, but maybe this is the most important question, Ted. Is Cliff Kingsbury a good football coach? Because his team's 5-0. and And it doesn't feel like a fluky 5-0. and It's not easy to win games in the NFL. Um, I think he, I think he's a good coach. I think he's done some good things. I think it helps whenever you have a guy like Kyler Murray at quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Great quarterbacks make great coaches uh, when everything you call ends up working. Uh, but you have to give him credit. He's, he's done a good job there. I mean, a lot of people were shocked that, after what went on at Texas Tech, that he ended up being a NFL head coach, but the, the people see value in what he does. So, yeah, you got to give it to him. Although I feel like Arizona, although they're the only undefeated team left in the NFL, I really don't think they're getting the respect that maybe they deserve from the rest of the league whenever people are talking about championship teams. And obviously because they haven't haven't done – anything in the playoffs that would make you feel like they're they're right there about to get over the hump like some other teams have but uh, not getting a whole lot of respect across the NFL as a team that could factor into the the championship yeah and I think it it has a lot to do with you know they haven't been there they haven't done that but also once again I I think it's a, a product of how people some people feel about Cliff Kingsbury I really do yeah uh, you know, some of the game management issues in the past. I I think a lot of people just look at him and be like, ah, I just don't see him as a, you know, NFC championship or Super Bowl type coach, but his team's undefeated. Yeah. That's, that's where they're at. So I don't know. We'll see, but I'll tell you this, man. They're fun to watch. I know that. They are. Kyler's. If he can keep this up, I mean, with – I don't know, when do they play the Seahawks? With Russell Wilson down, they've beat everyone in the division now. I Door's kind of open, man. Ooh, just realized this. Next Sunday, Cardinals-Browns Ah, in Cleveland. 
Nice. Yeah, that was out in Arizona last year. A lot of people went out to that game. A lot of Sooner fans. Yeah. So that'll be, uh, I got a feeling that'll be one we talk about on the next episode. Okay. Cleveland for my with l- another big one. Another nice win. Yeah. He's good at football. How about that? Mm-hmm. All right. Thought about going uh, for loser of the weekend. Thought about going with the Giants. New York Giants, man. I mean, just beat up, right? Didn't have Slayton or Shep coming into the game against the Cowboys. Lost Saquon Barkley. Did you see his ankle? I just saw the picture of how, how bad it was it rolled was. over. Dude, they got a shot of his ankle on the sideline. They uh, Scott Hansen, they showed it on red zone. And he was like, oh, my God, look at this. It just, I don't know how it got that swollen that quickly. It was, dude, it was ugly looking. That's uh, brutal. Then Kenny Doll, Kenny, gosh, I can't say Kenny Galladay. Wow, that was tough. Hurts his knee, missed the entire second half, and then Daniel Jones. Who? One of, I mean, that's one of the worst parts about football. But it, I mean, he lowered his head. I, I don't think the defenders were at fault, but that that man had no clue where he was. Stumbling, stumbling. I was like, ooh, that's that's one where and I will give give credit to several of the Cowboys defenders were gonna save him from himself. Yeah. And I, I thought that was that was cool to see those guys, you know, trying to take care of him. But ooh, they not something you want to see, and certainly not something the league wants to no. like one of your one of your starting quarterbacks just stumbling around the field out there. I was like, ooh. No. Bad visual. Also thought about going with the Bing- Bengals kicker. Speaking of bad visual, <laughs> the Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson. If you didn't see this, please go find it. He kicks a field goal in overtime to win the game. He was the only person on planet Earth that thought he made the field goal. It clearly didn't go in. And, and he started celebrating. It was, Teddy was the funniest damn thing I had seen. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how he thought it went in. I mean, it was wide left. I, I don't know, but it was hilarious. And Mason Crosby certainly is thanking him because he had an awful day and finally hit a kick to win the game after McPherson missed that one. It was that game was, <laughs> it was just nuts from a kicking perspective. But my loser of the weekend, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oof. They go to Kyle Field in College Station, Texas, and they get beat by the Texas A&M Aggies, 41-38. They gave up 41 to an A&M offense that has struggled and struggled and struggled. I will say this. We poke a lot of fun at Texas A&M, and they deserve it most of the time. But you got to give them their credit here. They earned it. That is, that was a really good win. It was a really competitive game. It felt like AM was in control. Then Bama rips off 21 unanswered in the second half. And it seemed like Alabama was in full control then. But I got to give credit to Zach Calzada, man. Yeah. That dude showed some onions on some of those throws late, even though he looked like he blew his knee out. Uh, point, it was like that looked horrible. Oh, to be young. 
with I didn't I, I didn't think there's any ligaments. chance he was coming back in, right? No, they like carried him off the field. Yeah. I thought they were gonna like put him in a wheelchair to get him off the field. I was watch I watched it whenever it happened. I was like, oh man, that sucks. And I was like, uh well, they made a nice run at it. They're man, showing I hate that. They're showing yeah. the walk on. Like he's trying to find a football, like stop, start warming up. And he can like barely get a hold on it. He's so nervous. He's like trying to throw pass. I was like, oh my gosh. And so, but I walked out and did something else and came back in the room and he was back in the game. I was like, wait, what is he doing? Are they, they let him back in the game? That's, that's impressive. Yeah. But, uh, Anaya Smith rocking the blue, blue cleats, blue gloves. <laughs> he stood out and you, you can do that stuff. I don't know if there was a point. I didn't, I'm not going to lie. I didn't look into if there was any meaning behind the blue cleats and blue gloves. If there is, I don't know it, but maybe there is. Maybe if there is, great job, Anais. But if you make plays like that, you can wear that type of stuff. He was, he was huge for them. The game winning field goal, though, man, I, that thing started, do left. (laughs) And then took a just, I don't know what pushed it back right the way it did but it was it was like as it left and went to the air i think we all just were like oh! and, and for whatever reason hard right turn just a great win for a&m but Ted bamas that they they got some issues defensively yeah. yeah they they did not look good um i thought i thought bryce young actually looked good considering some of the the pressure he was dealing with up front. Um, but yeah, defensively, and they've been a little bit banged up. It's the first time we've seen Bama show up and like not have answers. Like typically they can answer everything athletically. Like even if someone's got some schemes on them, picking up some yards or getting them out of position, they can usually out athlete you. And for whatever reason, their, their luck has finally run out, and I guess that means Oklahoma's got the longest winning streak in the country. Yay. <laughs> it, it did. It, it felt like A&M's defense, especially that defensive line, right, DeMarvin Leal, that that group, they, they got after Bama up front a little bit. You, you mentioned Bryce Young was under a lot of pressure, but they still had 522 yards of offense yeah. and lost the game. I mean, I, I don't think – we need to hit the panic button by any means for Bama, but it doesn't look like they have a dominant offensive line group like we've seen them have the last couple of years. And that defensive line for them, I mean, there's some bad ball. And I mean, Zach Calzada, they they hit him a little bit, but you look at the stat sheet, and I double checked, triple I was like, zero sacks for Alabama. Yeah. Zero. I mean, that's, it's hard to believe. Yep. I thought it was awesome when they stormed the field. That was great. Did you see that player or the uh, fan walking around with one of the players helmets on? (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Oh, there's going to be some fine sent out this week, boy. Dude, it was an insane weekend of college. Insane. What's one of the best weekends of college football that I can remember? Oh yeah. Definitely. And on that note, episode 154 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. O-U-T-C-U. 
preview. Unfortunately, TCU may have figured mm. some things out ahead of this mm. game. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Series 6 and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Ooh.